Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, this is Fish on a Heater, and regular listeners of the podcast will probably know that when you're hearing my voice like this on its own, it's probably bad news. <laughs> so we've got to stop meeting like this. Um, I just had a great chat with Caleb Peng, who is a content creator and shoutcaster for Play Pokemon. He has a wonderful podcast that I've been listening to for a while, and he recently started listening to our podcast as well. So we kind of got chatting over that, and it led to him agreeing to come on as a guest while DeFi is away this week. It was a great chat. He's a wonderful storyteller. Uh, But for some reason, I don't know how it happened, but the program that we were using to record, it didn't seem to pick up that I was using a fancy $300 mic to try and record the conversation and just defaulted to my laptop's inbuilt speakers, which are, sorry, inbuilt microphone, which is terrible. Um, It sounded during editing, at least, like I was trying to talk at you from space. And that's not really a good listening experience, is it? So I have handed the file off to Chris, who I've always considered to be a bit of a wizard when it comes to cleaning up audio. Hopefully he can get it to a point where it is listenable without having to blast your speakers at full volume and still kind of strain to hear it. Uh, We'll see how we go. Hopefully... It all works because it was a great chat. I think you'll really enjoy the episode. See you on the other side. Hi, I'm Vishal Nahida. And I'm Caleb Peng. And this is PvP Corner, the PvP podcast with some of the biggest names in PvP, as well as me. Caleb Peng, hey, thanks for joining me today. Hey, I, I don't think you should talk yourself, you know, <laughs> give yourself some more credit here, right? I think uh, I think you're definitely a big name in PP as well. I feel like you've also been part of PP since the very beginning in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, I've been tapping glass since 2019. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, back in the day, it wasn't GBL. even tapping glass. It was like it was like mashing down, like trying to break the glass with your thumb. Right, yeah. yeah. That's um, <laughs> uh, You and me will remember, and very few others will remember, that uh, before the charge move animations, it used to just be this little circle that would appear on screen, and you just have to tap it as fast as you could for five seconds, trying to get the, the little circle to, to like go out three mm-hmm. times. Like you'd, you'd have the, the one-third, two-thirds, three-thirds charge. Yeah, it was... Um undercharging was a whole different thing too that i don't think people really did a lot but yeah. i just remember i mean you have adrenaline pumping through you when you're battling someone right and especially in a tournament whatever oh back then there were actually all tournaments there was no gbl so it was, yeah, right. it was all tournaments so there was always a lot on the line it wasn't just like a random like you're trying to go like positive in a set and so you already have a lot of adrenaline going on and then you're vigorously tapping physically like it was it wasn't just like an esport; it was like an actual sport in some ways. So tell us, like you, honestly, not to not to blow your ties up too hard, but they're like, yeah, you're one of the biggest names in in like the PvP space. But for those who don't know who you are, Caleb, do you want to tell us where people might know you from? How you fit into the ecosystem that is PvP? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, I started PvP back in. 
technically 2018, right when the like kind of PP started in like middle to late December. And I was just scrimming with some of my locals and stuff. And we, we had a lot of fun. Back then, you couldn't really battle anyone unless you're like ultra friends or best friends remotely, right? So you had to do it in person. And uh, funny enough, one of my one of my locals back in the day, uh, he was a student on the campus I was working. He was a PhD student when I was working there full-time as a staff member. Uh, his name's Paul Mersup, who some of you might know. He does a lot of graphics and a lot of meta stuff and is a part of the community. Uh, but back then, we were just two guys that just were competitive and we didn't know what to do competitively outside like compare like catch rates for like <laughs> legendaries from raids like, yeah. there's really nothing else that you can really compete like skill wise um but we both got into it super quickly and then silver unit dropped in january of 2019 and you know we went to all these tournaments and i played i was very you know dead set on trying to be the best um the very first official tournament, the Boulder Cup, we had a six rounder in Atlanta, Georgia, where I oh. used to live, and I swept the whole thing. I went six and zero, right? So I was like, "Oh, dude, oh, like, I got wow. a reputation to uphold." <laughs> um, and then I think uh, for all the tournaments afterward, for the most part, I went first place or second place. It was usually second place, and I kept losing to one of my locals. His name is Chaotic Ace, uh, who's actually one of my teammates now on, on my faction team. But it, I'd I'd always take second place if I didn't win first and I'd always lose to him. Like he was the one person that just kept beating me in every one of these tournaments. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was, I finally was able to beat him in kingdom cup. Uh, I beat him in kingdom cup and it was actually surprising. The first time I ever used Bastion and that's relevant for later, but, um, <laughs> and first time I ever made a Bastion, I, I, I swept the kingdom cup there and, um, and then we head into the regionals for Silphorina that season. And, um, I remember specifically arguing with my friend Palmer's up, uh, who was a big is a big data guy, still is, and he was looking at Sims. And he's like, "Yeah, like Lugia is just not good for this meta, right? For this regionals." And I said specifically, I was like, "I was like, well, what do you recommend I use?" He's like, "Well, you could use a Legacy Haunter with like, uh, I think uh, Shadow Ball was a Legacy move, yeah, because like really good." And I was like, "Well, I don't have one, so like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, I know you have one. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to trade me yours. Like, I can't run it." So I'm like, I'm going to run Lugia, right? It's the like one of the hardest walls to Medicham, which was just like unstoppable back then. Yep. And it like can beat Haunter if you run Extrasensory and it can beat like Venus or, I mean, obviously it's grass type, but even with Extrasensory, it's actually really good if you don't use Dragon Tail because Azura was everywhere as well as Bastion yep. and Melmetal. Um, but Skarmy was a flyer of choice for that regional. And... I was like, you know what? Skarmy can't beat Medicham because Medicham back in the day, Power Punch, you just don't, the buffs keep adding up and did more damage. It was like, it was just wild. Like Medicham just beats Skarmory consistently. Yeah. Uh, straight med a Power Punch. You just come out with like a souped up Medicham that you had to deal with afterward. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? This is going to be my flyer that could take it out. And my friend Palmer's up. like, all right, like good luck. And I said, you know what? I'm going to screen record every battle because he couldn't make it to the regional himself. So I was like, mm -hmm. I'm going to screen record every battle and I'm going to make a YouTube video and a YouTube channel on Pokemon Go PvP <laughs> if I win this whole regional. And he said, all right, prove me wrong. Let's see what happens. And a week later, I win the regional. <laughs> and everyone looking back in the day, you know, a lot of these storms were not streamed. And none of them were streamed live actually at yeah. the time. But everyone just looked at the brackets and they could see. So they saw like I was like the highest ranked player going into a tournament. And everyone I remember seeing these discords were talking like this guy's just trolling. Like he's not <laughs> actually using this. Like I don't know what is he thinking with a Lugia. Uh, and get, just getting a Lugia is very hard because it has to be like low 15 and you have to reroll and everything. But 
and that won the whole thing and everyone all of a sudden the discourse changed on these discourse like wait 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 like how did he do it like why did he actually use it like what was the strategy like maybe he was using action century instead of dragon tail right and so i was reading all these comments and i was like hey like funny enough i'm about to make my first youtube video so i make this youtube video it's awful it's like an hour long um, oh, no. it's no editing like like i mean there was editing but barely any like regular full speed like it's my yeah. first youtube video on my youtube channel if you're curious and you want to see it um gameplay was probably even questionable but i just had like really good team comps into people because i brought lugia into pretty much every single one of my games that i recorded there's one set that the recording failed or something so i might have not had it for that one but otherwise lugia was in every single one of my battles and uh, so I won that regional qualify for world championships that year for Sylph. Uh, I think I hit number two in the global leaderboard uh, right after oh, that regional. Wow. Before like, yeah, it was before all the Latin American players um, did their regional. So <laughs> once they did it, I think I got bumped down to fourth. But it was it was pretty <laughs> good for me. Uh, yeah, everyone above me was an Argentinian Argentinian player. So I was the best non Argentinian player in the sure, world for a sure. little bit. Um, but I started making YouTube videos off of that, and uh, Sylph was great back then and you know it still is i know it's like uh about to end soon but it wasn't gpl it wasn't like you do tournaments every day or battles every day it was like once every while so i made like one video a month or something like that but yeah that was my kind of claim to fame was actually it was lugia and i made a youtube channel from that and then gpl dropped and um and then covid happened so all these tournaments are remote now so you could do self tournaments remote you could do team formats like um the silver lining of covid was really the fact that you could just battle everyone, anyone from anywhere rather yeah. than having to be ultra friends or best friends with them, which is a nice change of pace. Made it super accessible. The whole world. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I just continued to make content off of that. GBL obviously helped. Um, I mean, it's kind of like the king for content, at least on YouTube these days. That's why I see mm -hmm. a lot of GBL content. That's what people look for. Yeah. Um, but I started making GBL stuff as well. And then for those that have been around since season one, I made a notorious line it was a skarmory double grass line uh when people were running double water and water everything and no one's really running grass um and that that probably got me the most amount of notoriety or um fame at the time uh, i went from like i think i went from like less uh, like just under a thousand subscribers on youtube to like over like five thousand like a week or something it was kind of nuts wow yeah. and so yeah. i just picked up from there yeah so that just became my thing um i was just like i was like the anti-meta guy essentially and it was all it, it all came about which like see, seems very caleb it all came about out of spite basically yeah like, like i'm gonna yeah. prove you wrong exactly it came out of spite and it was it was because i kept losing you know what it was it was this guy um shoot i'm blanking on his name he's on my friends list too but he's from someone from europe um but uh he i i queued up into him and i knew he was good at battler too because i've scrimmed with him before and he ran Skarmory Double Mud Boy. He ran Skarmory Whiskash Swamper. Mm -hmm. And I was like so frustrated because it was not the first time I saw that team. And I just kept losing to it. I was like, man, this is such like an obvious ABB team. But like it's genius because no one ever runs no one ever runs double grass. So mm -hmm. I just literally just was like, you know what? I'm gonna run Skarmory, Shift Tree, and Meganium, see how this goes, right? Shift Tree can grab a shield off a lot of things. Like it's fine. Let's just go. Oh, it's Nemo Bl uh, Storm Blood. That's the guy's name. Um cool. But uh, yeah, so thanks to Nemo, I decided to try that team. And then I just went on a crazy streak. I think I was like, I forgot. I think it was like 26 and 0, which is still yeah. my longest win streak to date. <laughs> but I just kept winning. And at first I was just like, this is just a coincidence. And I was, after a certain point, I was like, wait, 
Like everyone kept top lefting because they would just like take out like shift tree and then come in with their second mud boy or a zoomer or something. And then there's some game and they just like quit. They're like, wait, what? Like, how's there another grass? Um, but yeah, that just became my thing. Cause I think back, especially back then, I was just not great at playing mirror matchups in both Sylph and GBL. Like mechanically, mm-hmm. I was just not great. <laughs> I didn't know my counts. Sure. Like I didn't sure. know like all the little mechanics that a lot of these like, like much better players did. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go anti-meta. I'm just going to run like these like really weird strategies that like beat what everyone else is running. And um, it worked sometimes. Sometimes it didn't. But um, yeah, that's kind of my short intro. <laughs> <I don't remember laughs> that's how no, I got that's like... A great story. Yeah. I built a name for myself in um, on YouTube and stuff from that. Um, of course, started streaming like many other people. But um, created a Patreon that like uh, I was like able to coach um, players on uh, to improve in the game and stuff, and then was able to help me go full time content creation mm. after that. Um, and then yeah, from there, uh, still did self stuff, still did GBL, still did some team formats, and I was invited to become uh, one of the official commentators for the Go Championship Series, hosted from the play- Pokemon Company. And yeah, that was mm. that's been I mean a little over a year, a year and like three months, but. I've been traveling around the world since then, and it's been an incredible opportunity and privilege to do so. But it's really helped expand my whole, you know, content creator esports career essentially. All right, so we have been playing GBL this week. It has been the Open Master League and the Retro Cup. Caleb, uh, have what have you been playing, and how have you been going? Great question. So Open Master League has been uh, tough for me personally. I have three uh, legendaries fully maxed out on top of a mythical, which is Melmetal, which a lot of people probably have. Um, but the only three legendaries I have maxed out is a Dialga and a, a Shundo Lugia and a Shundo Ho-Oh. So, of course, last season I definitely had to play the double Shundo line of Lugia, yeah. Ho-Oh, and Dialga. Um, but outside of those three, I really can't, and maybe the Melmetal, I can't really run anything that's non- uh, that's that's a legendary or mythical. I had to run the non legendaries. I um, mean, you're in you're in good company. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Diva and I very famously uh, t- don't have anything built for Master League and uh, mm-hmm. don't really have the resources to do so. So, yeah, exactly. um, one of us. Yeah, but so so I I didn't I didn't even touch it this time around because I was like, well, I'm just going to play the same team again <laughs> or just like switch up the order. Um, so I played Retro Cup and. Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. I I actually managed to hit legend this week too. Uh, a couple of hey, weeks ago. So congrats! It was yeah, thank you. It was very nice. Um, I think I managed to hit it before the wave of triple confusion was a thing, because I was definitely catching some wind on Twitter that uh, on top of triple dragon, people were running triple confusion user. Yeah, usually shadow confusion user. Um, one of my friends I watched her battle this morning, and it was a shadow giraffe rig in the lead and like they double shield against her altaria she's like why are they double what does this thing have why are they shielding i was like oh i was like dude i'm just telling you right now i'm pretty sure this is triple confusion and <laughs> behold, it was a it was a bruxish in the back and a shadow hypno that just confused yeah that's why i'm so like bruxish i always think that's such a bold choice to run that because it's just so yeah. glassy so many weaknesses um a shadow giraffe rig though i think that is game like that that is that is a good pokemon that is very underrated yeah especially in this kind of cup it, yeah. it definitely is because what there's no steel types no dark types then like that's right yeah and and you have the psychic fangs too right so like you don't even want to shield the psychic fangs but 
you gotta have to at a certain point. Like this person exactly. didn't even throw a single thunderbolt. I think they just went straight psychic fangs the whole time. And like you shield the first one. Uh, sorry, you don't shield. You, you tank the first one, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, right? And then <laughs> like the second one comes out, and you're like, oh, maybe I should shield this one. You don't shield, and then suddenly they're like. They're just confusing you down. Yeah, you've got two shields in hand. Yeah, like, oh wait, no, no, what happened? Yeah. I, I, uh, in a self arena, like a local tournament. I, it was in the finals. Me and this guy was undefeated. It was my local mine, and this guy always runs like, especially this season, he always runs six of the same types just for fun, right? Yeah, I think like in um, Naya Cup, he ran six bug types. And then in this tournament, I forgot which one it was, but he ran six normal types. Um, it was a tournament where like a Ranguru was like pretty popular, but he had like six normal types. So he had like Wigatuff, like a Ranguru, and Giraffric was like the big thing. And he had a Confusion Giraffric. I had like a Blaziken, so I'm like six normal types. I'm bringing Blaziken every time. And then like, <laughs> one, I'm running into Wigatuff, and then I run into like Confusion um, Giraffric. I was like, this is a nightmare. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that thing is that thing's got play. Mm-hmm. Um, me, I ha- I went on absolute tear yesterday. I did mention to you before the podcast that like I was up late last night battling. That's because like yes. I was just like in the zone, <laughs> and oh, I was like really I, I I can't end this. Yeah, um, so I, I kept on battling until I got a negative set. Uh, I ran Cofagrigus mm-hmm. in the lead with Dunsfass and Aurorus in the back. Oh, and I started the day on twenty five fifty something, mm-hmm. and ended the day. Oh, actually, so um, I peaked that day at twenty eight thirteen. Oh, dude, that's a. Did you even lose? That's crazy. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's um, it was all four ones and a five zero. Oh. Oh, and then nice. kind of like I, when I finally got a, a one four to finish it off, I was like, okay, that's it, bedtime. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. um, so that got me down to like seventy seven. Oh, sorry, seventy uh, twenty seven seventy or something. So yeah, okay. I finished in expert range. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a fun team. I was running uh, lantern lead with Como O and Ligaton in the back, which seems like a really fun team. Yeah, it was fun, but facing your team would have been kind of a nightmare <laughs> um the como was just like really strong to safe swap against most things but yeah como i, I never saw any como which i'm surprised by because that does seem like a really good like so what's what's the matchup between like como and the other dragons yeah so the dragon tail damage is quite nice um you do get outpaced your moves if uh or i don't know if you get outpaced but like if you if you safe swap it into a dragon your lead like you get outpaced but yeah. you just the dragon tail damage just puts it so low that it's fine. Um, Altari is kind of an interesting one too. Most people don't stay in, so I don't see that matchup too often. But for the most part, because I have a lantern, if I just as long as I even just whittle them down enough, I mm. should be okay. Um, unless they're running triple dragon, but even triple dragon, I've had some play because a lot of times the lantern just gets locked into like a Kingdra or Altaria, and I at least have neutral there. Yeah. Um, but it's really solid. The close combat is nice to have. It's hard to land, but um, one of the best parts is if I say swap it and they counter swap with a knockdown, right? Because they see a lantern lead. They don't want the knockdown matchup against that later. Uh, one, I draw out the knockdown so that my Lickitung is free in the back. And then mm. um, if you land the close, you will get to a close combat before they get to their sky attack. If you land the close combat, you just drag and tail down and shield. And you, you win switch and come out with a ton of energy and nothing resists dragon 
uh, damage, uh, that, yeah. right? And close combat just hits so hard too for neutral. Um, and if they shield, then they just spend a shield against a Como, and now they have to f- get match up against a lantern right that's just going to farm a ton so yeah yeah um, um can you can you counter swap a combo into like a lickitung safe swap yeah so that's a tricky one that's a great question so obviously if you can land the close combat you're fine but most mm. are going to shield and you just like you can't go straight dragon tail dragon claw so what i actually do is a lot of times when people say swap lickitung i throw a thunderbolt on my lantern and that's sw- counters on my own lickitung and they just can't win switch back right mm. um uh, and then, and it's uh, also comes in handy because typically speaking, their third Pokemon is weak to Como or fighting types. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's kind of how I played it out. Yeah. And there were very few fighters actually used in this cup. Like the only ones that I saw with any kind of regularity were Deoxys and Metacham. So, like Cofagrigus was was tearing through those ones. But uh, yeah, Como is like just brings a different flavor that like uh an opponent has to play a little differently to adjust to that yeah it's that dragon tail damage too um yeah exactly even against a cough egregious like if you have shields up on the como side it's actually very uncomfortable um mm. i was able to even flip a few um corsalia counter swaps if they're going straight moonblast because most aren't going to bait you with drag uh grass knot and um typically they don't shield the first dragon claw and and then once they realize this like you're chunking them down this like too late <laughs> but yeah um but also, it's also a three-turn move, and some people just don't know how to optimize well, or like they're counter swapping, they didn't optimize well because you're like delayed by a turn. You get like a full like dragon claw, a dragon tail through. It's just like it's a huge advantage, yeah. So it was quite nice. It was fun. It just Como is not the most accessible Pokemon. You had to hatch it. And yeah. PPIVs, you had to trade it. Uh, typically speaking, because they're pretty rare in the wilds. Um, but yeah, if you have one, you could use. I guess by the time this episode comes out, it might not be, might be too late. But <laughs> I mean, there um, might be another cup coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. having that understanding of like the the Pokemon's capabilities can help you to determine, say, in a future meta, uh, like yeah, you might think of this Pokemon and, and be like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, I, I can, I can make this work. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the biggest advantages over something like a Dragonair is. Well, Dragonair, you just don't have like hard hitting moves. Like it's just like all non stab charge moves usually for like stuff like Lickitung and um, Cresselia. Mm-hmm. But the biggest benefit is also against Dunsparce because you resist all that rollout damage. Yeah. And so they they just like like yeah like the draw runs start adding up, but it doesn't hurt nearly as much, and they can't fast move you down, so you could play around it really easily. And so after this week, by the time this podcast comes out, we will be into the Open Great League and the Great League Remix. So the Remix is where the top 20 Pokemon used by trainers ranked ace and above last season in the Great League are banned. So there's a a long list that we did. Uh, go through last week but it takes like a minute and a half to read through them all so uh just uh, we'll we'll include the link to the gbl season update in the show notes if you want to check that out the pb poke top 10 for that cup are xl carbink scrafty double vigoroth shadow quagsire regirock whiskash pidgeot shadow alolan sandslash and shadow machamp have you looked into this meta? Oh, I imagine you will have looked into this meta because you've got some some uh, some patrons who are clamoring for some of that Caleb knowledge. Uh, so what yeah. are your thoughts on this meta so far? 
Yeah. Um. So this is the first meta we're gonna see Carbink in. Um. Yeah. Along with Open Great League, I think is also paired with this for this week, right? Um, yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. And obviously, Carbink can't be banned. Can't be banned in Great League remakes. It wasn't even around. Um. Last right. time around, but it's gonna be really interesting. The rankings, I feel like, are super skewed. Um, I would call this like the carping effect, essentially, because everything is <laughs> everything ranked high is because carping is ranked so high. So mm-hmm. all the counters have to be ranked really high as well to counteract that, right? Um, but I, I haven't, I haven't, I don't have a specific team yet. Uh, this is mm-hmm. the day before the launch of that uh, that rotation. Uh, but I do, I do usually tinker around, especially the day of uh, leading into the rotation. And I personally just usually stream to my patients right when the rotation goes live. Because I always tell them, like, whatever I have in mind, like, it might not work out. So, just, like, wait for me to <laughs> test run it first, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes it does. A lot of times it does. Sometimes it doesn't, though. But, um, yeah, it this meta looks interesting. I don't know. I Personally speaking, I kind of wish Carbink wasn't available. But uh, but because it is, you know, you definitely have to account for on a lot of teams. I feel like the higher yeah. ELO and ranking you are, the more likely you're going to run to Carbink, right? Because that's where all the tryhards are and they're like trying to preserve every elo and, you know, climb yeah. to whatever milestone they're going for. I personally will not be running Carbink. Um, I do have one, but I haven't okay. walked it. I don't have Excels. I don't have candies for it just because <laughs> I know it's not very accessible to everyone. So I didn't really want to build strategies around that. And me personally also like, I'm hoping for like a better rank one, but like it's such a gamble to trade one <laughs> right now because yeah. if you trade one and like, like it's i think the rank one's like a 5 15 15 or something on the spread and so there's a very high chance that you trade one and the ivs are so low that it doesn't even power up to 1500 even if you max it at like low 50 so um mine's just sitting in my inventory not not touched i think if i'm not mistaken i think they're being released in GoFest in raids or something so there might be more chances for people to get carbink and swap them there yeah that's what i've heard as well yeah but overall the meta looks I mean, it it does it doesn't look bad. Um, I do like remix metas overall. Um, I am just very interested in how much Carbink actually throws a wrench in everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like my you've team will got to prepare some... for it. Sorry, no. Oh no, no I was gonna say is uh, my team would probably definitely con- consist of at least one or two Carbink counters. <laughs> yeah, I feel it's like a Pokemon that like you're not gonna see in every battle, but. It like when those times when you do see it, it can just run through a team if you're not prepared for it. So you've got to have yeah, like you said, like at least one carving counter, maybe mm-hmm. two. Uh, so I have been looking at I basically categorize the carving counters into three strats. There's like the ground types, and in particular your mud boys. So your shadow quagsire and and regular quagsire will work as well, but that shadow is just uh, so much nicer with the boosted the shadow boosted mud bomb damage. Uh, Whiskash is the other one, and then like non-water types is like Diggersby is an option. Uh, then you've got your Grass types, which would consist of your Meganiums, your Ferrothorns, your Chestnaut is a really nice counter, but with Chestnaut in particular, you've got to avoid the Moonblast. Um, and then I think the other type is um, Steel. So Shadow Lol and Sandslash is an option as well. Uh, oh, there's a, here's another one. Fighters actually do reasonably well against Carbink because Carbink is typically running Rock Throw, Rock Slide, and then Moonblast. Um, the Rock Throw is not very fast with its energy generation, so 
those those rock throws being resisted like it it generally allows a lot of those fighters to get to a lot of charge moves i know surfetched and chestnut can beat carbink in the zeros yeah it could um i think machamp might be pretty close too uh yeah, if you right. switch the carbink from rock throw to tackle it could be a shadow machamp in straight like zero and two sh- in, in one shield in the one shields, he could go straight just like rock slide and beat the Java champ, which is kind yeah, of wonky, wild. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, it's still loose to the twos. But yeah, that's a this is going to be a very interesting Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I'm feeling like tackle does seem like uh, the slightly better move in this particular meta for carving. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, with all the mud boys, right? Um, yeah, I think that and might minus. be the thing. Yeah, I, I'm actually very curious to see. Uh, what it looks like because in the Sims right now on PV Poker, it's ranked number one with Rock Throw. <laughs> so without yeah. it, um, yeah, I just I looking at it just against meta, it loses like one matchup with tackle instead of uh, compared to the Rock Throw variant against the meta. But in the one shields, uh, yeah, in the one shields, yeah, yeah. Which matchups that? Uh, I actually don't know. I was just looking. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, well, so my guess is a lot of things shift. It just it just ends up like winning only twenty three instead of twenty four matchups. Okay. Um, okay. But uh, Machamp is. It could just be the Shadow Machamp actually, because that's the one I did notice. Okay. Um, but maybe some other ones, and but then some other ones get better because of it. Yeah. Hang on, I'm on it. I'm on it. Um. Okay, so. Tackle versus Rock Throw in the One Shield against the Remix meta. Uh, you are gaining Shadow Champ, Steelix, and Toxicroak. You are dropping Aurorus, Cofagrigus, and Jellicent. Mm. Gotcha. It makes sense. Yeah. Right, yeah, because the Ghosts are definitely going to thrive on that tackle. Yeah, yeah. And, like, Steelix um, is double-resisting the Rock Throws. It's only single-resisting the tackle, so that... And like carving's double resisting the dragon towers back. Mm-hmm. Steelix is yeah. an interesting one. Yeah, it is. Um, I feel like it's just too hard to play against the rest of the meta. <laughs> if I were to guess, <laughs> because everyone's worried about carving, and I think everything that beats carving probably beats Steelix. <laughs> Steelix does have counterplay against fighters with psychic fangs. Yeah, that's true. Um, Especially if you run into Shadow. Especially the shadow, yeah. So like Dragon Talents, it's a kind of the same uh, philosophy as the uh, Shadow Giraffe rig that we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Where it's like you you come in against the Steelix and you're like, oh, this will be fine, and then it like throws one Psychic Fang. Suddenly those yeah. Dragon Tails are adding up. You're like, oh no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not a fun time on this <laughs> <thing> yet, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. after that from july 20 to 27 we have the continuation of open great league and then fossil cup enters mm-hmm. the ring this is a two-week cup and it is a great league cup where only rock water and steel type pokemon are allowed i don't recall being a fan of this matter <laughs> caleb yeah it was um i recall this meta quite vividly actually it was like uh I moved to LA a year ago and um, it was like one of the first cups I was playing um, being here. Uh, funny enough, Carbink is eligible in this cup too, but it's only ranked 70, 72nd. So yeah, uh, right. not as good just because Reggie Seals at the very top. Mm. Um, 
Cartana's number two or Razor Leaf, which is kind of uncomfortable because it's also hard to acquire. You you have to get from like a research yeah. Cartana. I do actually have one. <laughs> so all right, well, wow. so yeah, yeah. It hits uh, it's a fourteen fifty seven CP. It powers up to fifteen oh five. So I'm stuck there, but I got it with one of my. I I mirrored it with a local at a local silk tournament. Um, yeah, so Cartano obviously wasn't around, but I do remember the meta being kind of interesting. Uh, Lucario was kind of prevalent in a lot of it, a lot of Mud Boys. But I remember Jelson being very popular as well. Um, and some other stuff. I'm trying to think. Because I remember yeah. specifically, I ran a Bastion in this meta, which sounds like such a bad idea, but it had some play. I just don't remember what it even beat looking back on this. Um, oh, I think it's because Wall Rain was more common back then. It was before Maybe. the Wall Rain nerf. Yeah. So Bastion's probably ranked lower these days. Um, How does... Uh, last time Fossil Cup was in, uh, Jellison didn't have Surf. I it didn't have Surf either, yeah. I think that yeah. also makes that Bastion worse in this meta because yeah. Surf is just more consistent damage. Um, yeah, Jellison is surprisingly still... Well, I guess ranked 15 is not that bad. But um, yeah, oh, it's because there's a lot of Raquinid too, I think. Yeah, Swamper and mm -hmm. Wall Rain being around last last year made the Raccoon pretty good. I don't know. I yeah, I had mixed feelings about this cup too. I think it was I think it was released at an early enough time that I didn't like I think early on GBL seasons I don't have very strong feelings against Galaxy Cubs because mm -hmm. like you're just paired against the most random thing sometimes. Yeah. Um it's usually the later on in the season I have stronger feelings. So I'm just like like I actually I actually can't just cheese around with a team comp and try to win <laughs> off of it. Um but yeah, it's yeah. going to be interesting with Cartana yeah. number two. Uh, yeah, you, you might you might see me running a Cartana, which I'm not a big Razorly <laughs> fan. But when else are you going to run a Cartana? <laughs> I am pretty sure the Cartana was actually in game last time Fossil Cup was around. So this isn't the first time. I don't remember it being up at number two, but it was definitely around. It was it existed? Um, I yeah, I don't know how many. I think it'll be you know what well, I'm. I'm quite confident that it will be even rarer than, you know, Carving in Remix. Yeah. Like, yeah, not many people are going to have it. And, like, there's – it's also, like, I feel pretty replaceable as well. Like, there are other Razor Leafers around. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's got the same typing as Pharaoh Thorn, so it's like that mm -hmm. Grass and Steel type, which Pharaoh actually comes in at number three. So yeah. if you don't have a Cartana, you could just run the Pharaoh Thorn. You should be yeah, okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah um so yeah ferrothorn was like a huge counter to your jellicence i think like jellicent was was uh pretty busted except for when it went against specifically red steel and ferrothorn um and then there was also like a a debate on which counter user you pick between lucario and a scavalier yeah they both had like really niche uses or not niche uses the like the nuanced differences between the two yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think might have ran Lucario last time too. I think I ran yeah. like a ABB seal, but Lucario and Bastion said like a Reg seal. But um, yeah, Lucario is nice. Just you have that Shadow Ball, right? So it hits really yeah. hard for like against like stuff like Jellison, right? You have to respect it. So. Yeah, but then it generally loses to a Scavalier as well, which yeah. kind of made yeah. that so so frustrating. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how the meta is going to go. I, I don't know. I might hate it like after the first week, but we'll see. Galissapod does does make an appearance at number 25 Ooh, though on the rankings. Yeah. 
yeah, that is a new one. And with liquidation, gives it a little bit more play against the red steel. Like I imagine, like a zap cannon still one shotting you for like late game situation. Maybe you could like close it out with the liquidation. Yeah, it. I mean, yeah. Honestly, the previous move sets has had is just like anything's better, and liquidation definitely helps. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, honestly, it's it already has a great fast move with shadow claw. It just needs. Yeah like a better secondary charge move and then it should be good but um i wouldn't be surprised if we see a few galissapod i'd be i mean this i probably wouldn't put it past you i'm sure there might be some people running like abb galissapod with a rack it as well oh um, snap yeah not me personally but i'd be surprised <laughs> not me, i wouldn't that. do that <laughs> yeah no no probably not me <laughs> uh i'm just quickly looking up galissapod versus ferrothorn with that yeah that's uh, an interesting one because you're only taking yeah. a neutral unless they're running thunder Oh. Um, yeah, with Thunder, like if they land that, the Thunder's doing 75% damage. Um, yeah. Everything else is neutral both ways, so Power Whip is, is neutral against the Glissopod, the X's is neutral against the the Ferrothorn. Um, it looks like Ferrothorn is winning uh, all the zeros and one shields, but Glissopod wins all the two shields. Interesting. So, yeah, I think Glissopod might be... Uh, it's not a core breaker, just like a little like anti RPS. You know, it's yeah. like an option to help you to not get trapped in that RPS cycle. Rock paper mm -hmm. scissors. Yeah, Ferrothorn running thunder is interesting in this meta too. I so I like just simmed it, and I was looking yeah. at Ferrothorn versus Cartana, and Ferrothorn wins all even shields <laughs> despite having all resistant moves against yeah. Cartana. So yeah. that's kind of nuts. Yeah, that just shows how frail Cartana is. Um, I don't know why it's ranked number two, actually. I, I, I don't see... Like, I feel like it yeah. survives, like, five counters from a Lucario at best. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want yeah, to spend that, 100k that. dust to try to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tempted, uh, but yeah. All right, so like I said, that will be a two-week cup. The second week of Fossil Cup, it will not be Great League. It will be the Open Ultra League. The PB Poke Top 10, just as a reminder for those who might not have played Ultra League in a while, they are Shadow and Regular Registeel, Cresselia, Cobalion, Shadow and Regular Regirock, Pidgeot, Giratina Altered, Sh uh, Swampert, both the Shadow and Regular, Verizian, Steelix, both Shadow and Regular, and specifically Shadow Warrain. Do you have like a go-to Ultra League team? Yeah, um... So I, I play, I exclusively play Ultra League in Sylph Factions. Like I've never skipped a week and I've never not played Ultra League. So mm -hmm. some people would say I like love Ultra League. I actually <laughs> am not a huge fan of Ultra, Open Ultra League in oh, wow. GBL. Yeah. I don't know if I'm just bad at it or it's like the <laughs> blind threes format or what. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I I had like, I ran, I ran some Nidoqueen Queen actually this last time around. It actually did okay. I think I ran, I ran Nidal Queen with a Jelson and a Obstagoon. Um, I originally had a Cobalion instead of the Jelson, but uh, Jelson just it's just so strong these days. <laughs> Even yeah, against yeah. like Obstagoon, like you you kind of have to throw. You can't farm too much with Obstagoon there. But uh, yeah, Nidal Queen. I just wanted to see if it's at play, and it's it's okay. It it does beat like there were some Grass Double Electric teams that just hated seeing the Nidal Queen. Um, but I don't know. TBD on this time around. Uh, I probably mm -hmm. won't play the same team I did before. Uh, but second week of Fossil Cup might might wear on me, so I might try some Ultra League uh, that time around. I really want to run a Guzzlord 
but I just I'm just trying to trade for a better IV spread right. to to run it. But I think yeah. Guzzlord with like I think I saw like a Guzzlord Giratina team that looked really fun. But that does sound really cool. Good. Yeah. Guzzlord just in general just seems really interesting. Yeah. But... So I mean you can probably pair that with a, a Nido Queen in the lead. That's you know, you're onto something. Yeah, yeah. I think that yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's um I mean, Galarian Stumpfists are pretty much non-existent, so and Nether Queen does great into Regiseal, so maybe maybe I will. Maybe I'll do scary. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just be running Nether Queen Ultra League for like <laughs> at this point. All right, so that's our GBL section. We got there. Uh, next up, in-game events, and there was an announcement a few days ago as of this recording. Oh, I think it was like yesterday as of this recording or the day before, something like that. Anyway, yeah. uh, the next Community Day, the July Community Day, happening on the 30th, it will be Polywag. So Poly Wrath will be getting the... I mean, because we, as PvPers, we only care about the moves, right? <laughs> um, so uh, the moves that the Evolved Forms will be getting, Poly Toad will be getting Ice Beam. And Polly Wrath getting counter. Mm-hmm. Take it away, Caleb. Yeah, this is um. I don't know if Polly Wrath picks up usage in open Great League. Uh, it might be good in some like you know some Great League remix cups down the road, uh, or some limited metas like uh, I don't know if it's yeah maybe Falsa Cup. I, yeah, actually that's what I ran. I think I ran a Polly Wrath in Falsa Cup last time around. Right. Um, so that could be really interesting with counter because I mean you're going to be better than Lucario and uh likely better than Escavalier at that point too. Um it'd be interesting. I think PB Poke was the one that tweeted this out first, but it's the first water type Pokemon that gets counter. Um so that'd yeah. be that's a interesting combination. Um but I think in Ultra League it could be really solid. Uh yeah you're going to lose to the ghost types, definitely lose to like Jelsons, but you aren't going to do great with much anyway. Um but having counter could make certain things interesting especially against some of the steel types. Um and then Polytoad getting Ice Beam is nice. Um, the biggest concern for me personally is if I saved any Shadow Poliwags because they're not in <laughs> the Rocket Stops at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I surprisingly have a, a rank 22 Polytoad saved. Let's and go. a rank 20, 38 Polytoad saved for Great League. <laughs> so um, so I have a few options, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully Niantic brings those back. In rotation soon, or uh, soon, yeah. people just will probably spend some elite TMs, which is also fair. Um, when when do the rotations normally happen? Is it like once a month, once a season? Yeah, it's usually. Uh, so I feel like Niantic was a little spotty about it in years past, but in for the past, like I feel like year or so, they've been really good about having at least one. Pretty much just one, but they have one rocket takeover event where you could take take off frustration once every gbl season so mm-hmm. once every three months um when it happens in three months kind of varies but it's usually like uh, i don't have we had one this season already or oh i, I find it hard to keep track of the yeah i'm blanking change. on if it happened this time it was whatever the reggie rock came out but i can't remember if it was when that date happened if we had it this season or not i think it, oh yeah it did happen this season because i remember it was right before um it was right before either fresno or naic yeah yeah yeah, so we won't we we probably won't have another shadow event until um until after September first. Yeah, so um it, it probably 
would have to uh, have a shadow in your um, in your inventory or, yeah, like Caleb said, uh, use an elite TM on that. Uh, I'm a little... I think the Politoed with Ice Beam is a bit underwhelming because, like, even though a lot of the time we like to use lower energy charge moves, generally lower energy charge moves are more preferred than their higher energy counterparts. But I think in this situation, like, you're relying on the the one-hit KO power of Blizzard as opposed to, like, an Ice Beam. Like, does does an Ice Beam even KO, like, a Venusaur? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, against a Shadow Venusaur, I, let, me, let me check that, but that... That's a that's a great question. I, mm. I think it's if the, we if we're still in a Trevenant meta, I think this could definitely be really interesting because Trevenant just doesn't have really much fast pressure with Shadow Claw. Yeah. Um, but against against like um against Venusaur, there's just Divine Whip start really adding up. Um, so that might and, and Venusaur is just slightly bulkier too, I believe. Um, yeah. But yeah, let me. So if if it, you're talking about a Shadow Venusaur. Um, I think Politoed might be able to, yeah, you win the one shield scenario if you bait with a weather ball. Um, but I don't if think, you bait. yeah, if you bait, yeah, if you land the bait too. But the problem is the Venusaur outpaces you to the ice beam, uh, in the zero shields. It does, and like, uh, especially and they the went CMP like, too, so they could kind of swap you, right? Yeah, yeah, and like, a uh, frenzy plant's gonna. Absolutely, one shot, right? <laughs> yep. Exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, uh, it does quite a bit. It does. Uh, so, so it's not even the vine whip damage ahead of time. It does one hundred twenty nine percent. So just, it's just not great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but on the flip side, you have Polyrath, and Polyrath is like I, I'm really digging it. Like, like, like you said, like it's. There's no, like, specific targets, but I just like that, like, any kind of restricted meta where Polyrath is eligible, it suddenly gets a huge bump. And you know, you know what? I'm looking at the Great League meta now, and it does pick up a lot of... With a moveset of Counter, Ice Punch, and Scold, like, it does pick up a lot of wins. So it picks up Frostlass, Lickitung, Mandibuzz... Nine to Alola Ninetales, Red Steel, A Slash, Scrafty, Swampert, Vigoroth, War Rain, uh, Shadow, and Regular at the cost of Altaria and Shadow Zard. So I think that's a pretty solid list. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, this is definitely going to be a community worth worth playing too, and yeah, um, getting getting all the ones you want for. Well, I guess specifically just Great League and Ultra League, but there's Shadow variants of both. Yep. And so it's it's theoretically you you want to build what like four maybe different combinations. <laughs> um, my biggest regret is I actually have two Polytoed for Ultra League already built with the same exact CP uh, because this was back when Sylph factions you had to register the CP. Mm-hmm. So you so I had one I have one Polytoed with Blizzard and one with Earthquake and because Earthquake's a legacy move I didn't want to just TM it back and forth. Yeah. So that was an expensive investment. I'm about to make a third polytoed, <laughs> and not even including the shadow one. So it's a, yeah, it's going to be a time. But what's your status count at? My status count, surprisingly, these days is pretty good. I'm at okay. 
3.5 million. Oh, snap. Um, yeah, yeah, traditionally speaking, I'm constantly like, I'll be like about to stream to my patrons and play like Ultra League or Master League or something or like Master League Premier. And I'm like, like waking up early in the morning, like walking around my neighborhood, like trying to get as much Stardust as possible <laughs> to like build it. Or, or I'm sure on the XL candies or both. <laughs> so, so there's like, there's been, at least in that past year, there's been a couple of my streams where I'm playing GBL right on rotation swap. I'm running like an under level like Tentacruel or under level like yeah. Forges for Master League Premier and stuff like that. And a lot of times I'm like, hey, this team is working. And so if you if you could build one to full power, then you're probably doing better <laughs> than I am, right? Um, I'm running like a 2200 Tentacruel in Ultra League right now. Um, but yeah, it's um, been it's been okay too. Uh, going to a lot of these tournaments in the recent months has helped a lot because you get double Stardust um, right. at the venue and stuff. And I just yeah. Been, catch it and as much as i can but do you just have um, the yeah. like poke pokeball plus running? yeah it's uh yeah i got the pokeball uh what was it go plus plus whoever oh you got um, that one. it's yeah so i pre-ordered it and it's arriving on friday so in oh. like two days so i will keep you posted on how that works but yeah uh, i definitely i'm very excited to see how that works in japan too so uh, yeah um i can't i ordered one too <laughs> uh-huh yeah yeah yeah, it's a uh, it's the first official like uh, auto catcher that Niantic is releasing. Mm-hmm. So that'll be yeah, one that you don't have to press the button. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my only hope it just doesn't like vibrate like the Go Plus because I have one of those and people are always like people that don't know Pokemon Go is like what is going on right? Like, I'm, in a, <laughs> I'm in an Uber, or Lyft, and my driver's like, oh, you're really popular, huh? And I'm just like, yeah, 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 that's what it is. But like, yeah. meanwhile, I'm not texting a single person. I'm just like Go Plusing everything on the drive to like the hotel or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so the hopefully it's a little more discreet is my my mm. my hope there. But what's your starter set, by the way? Oh, uh, I I'm actually like you. I've um, got a lot more than I usually have. I'm usually okay. like floating around the maybe half a mil area. Okay. But now I've got. I'm just bringing it up now. Two point six. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. A solid amount. Yeah. So like, haven't had to build anything for a bit. Maybe there just hasn't been a lot of cups that anyone's had need to spend dust on. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But... Yeah, that must be it. Just a, a quick one before we move on. I'm I've also brought up uh, Counter Polyrath. This is the regular form in Ultra League, and mm-hmm. check out this list. Um, it loses over. So this is Counter versus Mudshot as the fast move. Yeah. Counter loses Gliscor, Nidoqueen, and Toxicroak. It gains Charizard, Cabalion, Dubwool. Galissapod, Greedent, Guzzlord, Gyarados, Shadow Machamp, Obstagoon, Scrafty, Snorlax, Polyrath, Registeel, Talonflame, and Warring. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, how does it how does it gain a matchup against Charizard? Because you're still throwing resistant moves, just counters as a better move, I guess, and you just the damage that into it. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I know like I'm not surprised because for example, Counter Metacham does better into Azumarill and Great League than Cycle Cut Metacham does, even though Cycle Cut is neutral and yeah. Counter is resisted. But it's just like Counter is just such a good move that yeah, like that even the resisted damage is like better. So, so Skull does seventy percent to a Charizard. Um, oh, and it's the fast move afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Counter is doing three point three percent as opposed to 
Mudshot is doing uh, 1.3%. Yeah, okay, that sounds about right. That makes sense. Yeah. It's also, you get stab on the counter, so that, that also probably adds yeah, to it. true, true. Yeah. And uh, also the Galissapod win is surprising, because uh, oh. same thing, like, that's resisting the counters. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. How's that exactly? Happen? And yeah. it's resisting Scald and Ice Punch. How does so, it... Yeah, I, I think Galissapod just needs better moves at this point. <laughs> It's so it's 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 such an interesting Pokemon. It, it, people are even using a Masterly Premiere, which is wild because I saw oh, it in really? Masterly Premiere. Yeah, it's like oh well, because I think it powers up to three thousand six hundred or something CP. So yeah, okay. the the staff product is there, and it's not bad. It's just when I played into it, it wasn't good into any of the teams I was running. But um, <laughs> it, I think it's actually decent into Metagross actually. Yeah, because you resist everything Metagross throws at you. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't know. People were legit. I thought like Butters was one that first told me about this. It was in the middle of our NAIC stream. I was like, what? I was like, <laughs> you're kidding me, right? Because he's not really a Master League guy. He's like, I don't know. That's what people told me. And I played some Master League shortly after. I was like, Master League Premier. I was like, wait, he's not He's not even kidding. But it looks okay. I just, I personally don't have a hundo I can make or nor the XLs. But um, but Wimpod, Lucky Trades might be a thing soon. Oh, wow, yeah, and uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know how much of it is uh, played up for the cameras, but it, it sounds like uh, buying into something that Butters is hyping up is not something that you do often. Oh yeah, no, I I, I mean <laughs> I'm not even playing it for the camera. Like I just think like I I <laughs> I personally think he has some bad takes on the meta more times than not. Right, not saying that he can't always be he can he can never be right, but yeah, yeah. Typically, he I mean he's a he's a big spice guy, which is fine. Um, I think you have to you have to take some chances, right, on some weird things to yeah. to to uphold that brand. But I'm always uh, <laughs> I'm always like uh, it's not spice if it's bad, it's just bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's only spice if it works. Yeah, I've I've had some bad takes myself. Like I there there is an episode of this podcast deep in the archives where I'm trying to talk up the virtues of counter Alakazam in Master League Premiere. Proudest moment. It's just too frail, or I mean, oh, way too frail. Yeah. Oh, does it even beat Metagross or no? Uh, oh, let me double check that because um, I guess oh, like actually no, no, I don't think I was even talking about Premier because I remember saying like my biggest thing, uh, my biggest point in its favor was that it could beat Dialga. Oh yeah, but okay, like yeah, any counter use again. In Oba Master League, yeah, you definitely lost me on that one. In Premier, I can see maybe, maybe there's maybe there's some utility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, if some, someone can make that work though. Yeah, <laughs> please let us know. Um, so that's our in-game event section. Let's move on to our self check-in, and uh, we are in the middle of Worlds and King of the Hill. Caleb, you are still in the King of the Hill format. Yeah. By the time you hear this podcast, maybe we're already eliminated. So depending on how <laughs> this upcoming matchup goes. But yeah, we are in King of the Hill. Um, my team, the Cool Cats, uh, we didn't qualify World Championships, but um, we we have faced against a lot of good teams over the years. And we're like, let's just give it one last hurrah. Um, and we are in the final top eight. And at the moment of this recording, I'm the only one that played a battle because Mm -hmm. The teams literally went live like two hours ago, and myself and my opponent Jonathan Kelly agreed to just play thirty minutes after team team reveals. <laughs> so we did that. I, I went one and two, so we we're down uh, by a point at the moment. But we're going against mm -hmm. Stadium Elite Silver at the moment, and then the rest of 
I mean, honestly, all these team, remain teams look pretty good. I don't really know Blue Marlins that well, but it's Blue Marlins, Marlins and Asian Asian. Asian Zacians <laughs> elite. That's a tongue twister. Yeah, they um, did that I believe they are from India. If I'm, yeah, they're an Indian team, mostly India. They're yeah. they're really good too. They're running through this bracket. Um, and then we got SoCal Swall Blue Gold versus Texas PP. That's gonna be an interesting one as well. Uh, two NA teams, and then Hidden Powers versus E uh, Pasta Shooter. Pas- Pasha Shooter. It's funny because I was listening to the last episode with you and DeFi talking about this, and like you all were like stumbling on that team name, and I was like, I was like, I was like, isn't that hard? And I'm reading right now. I was like, yeah, that's it's kind of yeah, yeah. It looks fine on paper. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's an Italian team, and then Hidden Powers is also a European team, Um, but I think they're mostly uh, English. I think they're mostly from the UK. So two European teams going against each other, two NA teams, or. Actually, no, two pairs of NA teams, the Blue Mars and Zacian. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I mean, the format's kind of cool. Single elimination. Do you yeah. see just the huge bracket just whittled down and down every week? Um, yeah, we'd love to take it all, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> the remaining competition is not easy. Um, but there's also Self Worlds, right? Uh, which also a similar single elimination after a group stage, and they're now on essentially the second round of playoffs or groups uh, on the single elimination stage. And, yeah. So how, how does that bracket work again? Yeah. So they had they had a total of eight groups, um, yep. eight groups. So off off the bat, one from each region, right? So one from yep. North America, LATAM, EMEA, um, and APAC. And so so none of the teams facing off each other against group stage ever face off against each other because they're all from different regions, which, is, which I think is a really cool concept. Mm-hmm. From there, the top two teams of the group stage move on to the single elimination bracket. I assume there's some type of seeding based on how they perform in the groups, but I don't know for sure. Um, honestly, all the teams that came out of group stage are just like super stacked, right? And yeah. tough. Um, and then they just finished their first round. Um, a bunch of really big name teams got eliminated. Uh, like Stadium Elite got eliminated. Um, but dude, a lot of APAC teams, but especially Indian teams, are still in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pogos also got eliminated. Definitely some of the favorites to win it all. They were eliminated by another North American team. But um, but yeah, all the European teams uh, uh, and EMEA teams are gone at this point. So um, yeah. I believe we have one, two, I think two LATAM teams left, three North America teams, and then three APAC teams, if I'm not mistaken. So, and I think all three APAC teams are from India. So yeah, I mean that that makes sense. They've got a they've got a big thriving community, uh, which like I, I feel like us in the West often don't really notice how big and thriving that community is. If you know what I mean, like yeah, yeah. I think um well. I mean, the most recent Sylph World Champion as well last year, Vroom Vroom Pals from India as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just I think it's just a community that's been really growing in the past few years, yeah. uh, which is really cool to see because I don't think they get the amount of attention uh, they deserve until now because <laughs> in Sylph Worlds, right. you see them. Like, I mean, what? This is like, th- what? About like 30 plus like really talented Indian battlers plus uh, also in King of the Hill too. There's still an Indian team remaining there. And it's definitely something Something I said was like, I wish they had more spots or chances to compete at like the the GO Championship Series, right? Like hosted by TPCI at Worlds. Because yeah. I think they, they get 
two battlers, I think, from India, right, <laughs> from their qualifier, which is unfortunate, but I'm sure they're very good, but there's just so many others that have chances. Um, mm. But for those that don't know, the the outside of, like, the Australia tournaments, the rest of APAC are the tournaments are hosted by TBC, which is yes. the Pokemon company, not TBCI, the Pokemon, the Pokemon company international. Uh, so even though they're like the parent company of TBCI, they run things a little differently. The format's a little different, uh, et cetera. So maybe down the road, they'll have more opportunities. But I think the biggest reason is to, uh, the trading card game and VGC, the video game series, uh, they're not very big in india and they're not very big in latam either so but go uh disproportionately is much bigger uh in india and latam than the other Mm. games so that's why we have so many talented trainers yeah from those areas it's interesting though because like yeah latam uh like we hear just in our circles a lot of commentary on like a lot of the battlers in latin like oh zadi's so like zadi's my pick to win or like oreo is like is a cracked battler and uh-huh. um like we get we we have a lot of name recognition with a lot of those latin battlers but yeah uh india doesn't have that same kind of name recognition like how, how many indian battlers can you actually name <laughs> yeah no that's a great question i mean uh before like this month not many but i've been right. i've been trying to pay attention in uh the most recent weeks too yeah there's definitely i actually had the pleasure of um shout casting the winners finals loser finals and grand finals of the india qualifier uh because some of my friends at draco visit they, they grabbed the footage from them and they they asked right. the players because they 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 all their tournaments were all online so they yeah. just screen record themselves and they sent in the footage, and I was able to shoutcast on the battles, which was really cool That's to cool. see. But yeah, but the, but again, that was only just like three different players, right? Out of yeah. uh, their their qualifier had 177, which was actually the largest wow. APAC qualifier yeah. um, out of all the other regions. Yeah, so uh, yeah, 177 yeah. in general is just a pretty big tournament, <laughs> like regardless <laughs> regardless of what region it is. So. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of talented ones. So um, we'll see. I mean, I, yeah. I, I hope for the best. I, I, I'm sure people at TPCI and TPC are paying attention. So maybe that will be a thing. I think the biggest thing is, um, I think, buying Nintendo Switches. Um, and maybe the cards are disproportionately more expensive in those regions. Um, right. So, um, and just in general, it's just more expensive than just having a mobile app, right? Uh, so even if they were the same value, it, it still wouldn't be the same. But... Um, so that's why there aren't actually, I don't know about TCG for LATAM, but I know for VGC, there's not a lot um, because it's just very hard to get a Switch. But yeah. everyone can get a phone. So, and people still love Pokemon in Latin America and obviously in India as well. So um, it is cool to see that, you know, regardless of how people feel about Pokemon Go and Niantic and stuff, the accessibility factor of just being able to download the game for free and just play instantly is a huge essentially gateway to get people into the franchise yeah that's a really good point um, and not not one that we say very often because we're often talking about like the um the the barriers to entry but... yeah that's true yeah i mean there are definitely barriers on top of the <laughs> the ease of access yeah you get down the game but to have a fully <laughs> made meta champ in time for a tournament yeah, in a week yeah. is going to be a monstrous task Another interesting point that um, yeah, you kind of touched on a little earlier was the idea of uh, there being so with with it being just one 
qualify in India and I believe there was one in Japan as well. Um, like that's a big difference between say India slash Japan and North America where like if you're attending like the Indian qualifiers, then if you have a bad day, then you're just done. You don't get to <laughs> qualify for worse this season. Like um, unless you yeah. want to like travel to the US or to some other country. Whereas like I have been following along with, the story of, for example, Wadaj in North America, who mm-hmm. is one of the best battlers in the world, like, undisputed. Um, but he has always just been so close to getting that qualification spot without actually taking that final step uh, for, for that was, like, the first half of the season. But because there were so many opportunities in the US to qualify he did manage to you know break that barrier he was able to you know get himself enough opportunities to you know get the the spot that he deserved yeah he went to um i'm trying to think how many he went to i think he attended a total of it was at least over six tournaments before he qualified qualified. and and again he's yeah like you said he's one of the best battlers um in the world yeah but it's just like especially our current qualification without any championship points, getting top two at a regional or qualifier or top four at an international is not an easy feat. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, especially early on season when no one's like else this is really qualified and no one's like these invites aren't cascading down. But like 177 is bigger than any tournament I attended for play Pokemon, right? Yeah. So, and to try to get top two there is... Like you said, if you have a bad, it's not even even a bad day. If you just have an unlucky day, right? Like yeah, you just right. don't get like the Zapkin debuff lead. Like yeah, it's just, yeah, it's best of three. It's over, right? It's um, yeah, it's rough. It makes it happen. Yeah, I so. think with the Japan qualifiers, they had like a, a much larger group, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. So if so, I think I took a look at that. So Japan is interesting because. Uh, it's not like anyone that wants to go can do it. They have to do like a best of one blind, like or no best. Of, it's like best of one, but show six formats yeah. at essentially the different Pokemon centers around. They'll host these like little pop up tournaments. So really? if you go and I go, like we have to like you have to like it's like whoever's like undefeated in the end or the top two or something can go to the Japanese qualifier later in the year, which was the one we recently had. Um. So how many people that actually participate in Japan's qualifiers is kind of hard to gauge because oh, yeah, because yeah, we don't actually know like how many people even attended the the best of one stuff. And <laughs> best of one in show six is just wild to me because you could just run like you could just run Shadow Vic and you know Bastion <laughs> and just be lucky, right? Yeah. Um even if you have a team that counters it, bad leads can be pretty bad. But I think um yeah, I actually typed this out the other day. So the India qualifiers it had 171 players in total. Mm-hmm. Japan had the second most of their qualifier at 144. But the difference for them is I think it was the top 20 players qualified for Japan there we go. for yeah. world championships. Yeah, but again, it's not 20 out of 144. It could be 20 out of 300 people that yeah, tried yeah. through the the best of one and just didn't make it. Right. Um, one of my fashion teammates is from Japan, DFH. He he was never able to win or get far enough in the best of ones. And he's one of the best players. Like he's always on the GBL yeah. leaderboard. Like top, like number one. Like he's his number one leaderboard. Like multiple times a season. <laughs> it's actually like kind of wild. Yeah. Um. 
but uh yeah just the odds are again the apac formats or the it the sorry not yeah the apac formats hosts from tbc just kind of vary quite a bit so do you like the double elim format that we're kind of used to seeing on the the tpci streams yeah i think from um i think from an entertainment perspective and being able to follow along as a viewer it's fun to have that double elimination right because you see like it's very simple like you have a bracket you have to you can only win lose once all weekend right and if you don't win you start on a win if you don't lose you you start on the winner side you lose you start on the loser side for like day two bracket and stuff like that yeah. um and bracket resets all this stuff it's it's like it's like very easy to follow uh and i think it's way easier to follow than like a swiss format uh which is what vgc and tcg does actually they do a swiss format for the apac a bunch of APAC qualifiers too. It's like yeah. a two day. They do a Swiss and then they take the best performing Swiss players into a double elimination bracket. I think, um, I think it's okay. I do think it's a little punishing. I think Swiss formats is a little more forgiving, right? If you lose, if you have a rough go around the first round, you lose. You still only play the same amount of games as everyone else in the rest of the yeah. Swiss tournament. Whereas if you lose in um, round one of a tournament or two or something early on. You have to battle so many more people to get to that grand finals and have yeah. a chance to qualify worlds, um, as opposed to the person that the people that don't lose just have to battle so so many fewer players. Yeah, um, that was kind of like my run in uh, Fresno and San Diego. I just didn't lose until uh, I, I didn't lose until winners finals on day two for San Diego. I didn't lose until grand finals for Fresno, and it was just so much easier because I just didn't have to battle as many people and like. Again, like, yeah, like, the better player typically wins, but you could always just, like, get unlucky or misplay and stuff, right? There's yeah. a lot more chances of error, essentially. <laughs> um, so I think from an entertainment perspective, double elimination makes sense. I think from a fairness perspective, Swiss is probably better. Uh, Swiss also gets rid of the buys much more easily. So that is nice. Because yeah, uh, there's definitely some buys in these tournaments um i think I, I i heard your recent podcast talk about this in naic there were a lot of buys um yeah and that's just like kind of weird right like cause some people just get much further along just because they got lucky with how they were placed in the bracket whereas other yeah. people they had to battle every single round um so um happened in ocic as well um like there was like a, a very high portion i think like something like 15 percent of people who had registered mm -hmm. like were no shows maybe even more than that yeah so like yeah yeah like like over half of the competitors got first round buys yeah i think like towards fun. the end of the tournament like the the quality of games are still good yeah but yeah. early on it could be a little of a mixed bag you know um i'm sure tpci and uh, or, or like thinking things through on how to address this for this for the upcoming season, right? Um, yeah, I don't absolutely. know if them changing the middle seasons made sense, so they about just left it at mm. that. Um, yeah. Um, so okay, so um, we have clearly gone into our play Pokemon <laughs> section. So yeah, that was Sylph. Um, so we have Worlds coming up on August the eleventh to thirteenth. Mm -hmm. um we also have we didn't talk about this last week although it had just been revealed we do have a bit of a sneak preview into regionals for season 2024 so we have regionals coming up in pittsburgh how do you pronounce this one Cur Curita curitiba 
Curitiba, I think. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, it's in Latin America. I actually yeah, don't know yeah. the country. Yeah. Uh, Sacramento, Toronto, uh, Barcelona, Peoria, and Lille are the ones that have been announced. So that's two in EU, which is the Barcelona and the Lille ones. There's four in North America, being mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, Sacramento, Peoria, and Toronto. And then one in Latin America. None for APAC yet, but we will yeah. wait with bated breath. Yeah, I think, um, well, depending on the meta looks, maybe it's better not to have one early on. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Yeah, because uh, new GBL season should be September 1st, and uh, hopefully the the continuation of a lot of meta changes per season uh, will be continued in September. But yeah, I mean, currently the, the meta did shift quite a bit, with especially with Trevenant just being completely non-existent at this point in time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're going to have to see how that meta looks for for yeah. when that rolls around. But yeah, that's going to be very exciting. Yeah, uh, Curitiba is located in Brazil. I just looked at there, it. There, so, there we go. Yeah, a lot of Brazilian players um, very active. So yeah, that it's literally like almost like right away, right? Because we, right. we have less than a month before the first tournament, <laughs> which is yeah, Pittsburgh. Yeah, so the first one is Pittsburgh, September 8th to 10th. Which yep. is yeah, like um, yeah, about a month after Worlds finishes, so you don't have a yeah. uh, very high turnaround. Yeah, yeah, I think last time around was kind of similar. We had like Baltimore shortly after Worlds. Um, mm. It was Baltimore, and uh, there was three actually. It was Baltimore. There's a place in Brazil, and there's a place in Europe at the same tor- same time that weekend. So yeah. kind of wild. If if the format's the same, it's like top two qualify or whatever. Like matches qualify for Worlds literally on that first like tournament, and just like. <laughs> Just what do you back. do for the rest of the year? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, um, all right. So, how have you seen the meta developing in this, you know, post Noctow Lantern Trevenant world? <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, we've had a few different tournaments to like try and consolidate a meta, and I don't think it's quite settled yet. So, where do you think the direction is heading? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, we, we actually talked a little bit about, about this off air, but I think uh, for the Shadow Charizard users that are good with it, this is definitely a great meta for Charizard and Shadow Charizard in general mm-hmm. because there's way less glaring Stumpfisk. And I don't think this is just like, a, oh, everyone else is running Registeel, so I'm going to. Like, there's actually a lot of logic behind it because with Trevenant out of the picture, Manicham is really free. Um, Lantra as well too, and Lantra, Water Gun Lantra was kind of annoying for Glaring Stumpfist. Whereas Registeel, you just lose against Water Gun and Spark Lantern shields up, so it doesn't mm-hmm. really even matter there. But the biggest drawback of Registeel before was not only that you lose a head-to-head with Glaring Stumpfist, but um, you you lose against Trevenant, whereas Glaring Stumpfist has some ability to hit back there. Um, but now that Trevenant's gone and Registeel is uh, more free from Trevenant, Registeel's also biggest benefit is that it can beat Metacham if you're not running Dynamic Punch um, in zero shield scenarios. You can probably lose to Power Punch Metacham if you have like a bad stat product Registeel, but yeah. if you have a good stat product one, even if they don't get debuffed on that Zap Cannon, you still win <laughs> in zero shields, which is kind of wild. Uh, or, or at least they can't counter swap you with a Metacham. So that's why Registeel is really good. But because of that, and I think a lot of people start picking up on this for NAIC, Charizard is super good because <laughs> so if you good. don't have Glaring Stumpfist, that Child Charizard is just a huge pain to deal with. 
um even when you debuff it like that blast burn still pretty much just takes you out and if not yeah. they swing attack you down and come out with even more energy so yeah and i think like with glaring stumpfist out of the way one of the more reliable shout charizard counters or just charizard counters in general you pretty much only have like azumarill which is pretty rare because registeel's everywhere and lantern um and yes lantern's good but like not everyone's going to run a lantern and also yeah if you have a lantern you don't lock into charizard it's still a bad time <laughs> uh, like if that's your only counter right so and because match is so prevalent too like charizard's going to thrive there yeah. um so yeah so that's the that's what the world's that's meta looks like at the moment in time i do think though that after worlds assuming carbink is no longer on the ban list this might be the last time charizard looks this good <laughs> so yeah, yeah. carbink uh being a fairy type typically fire is a fairy counter but fairy rock you completely resist every move from charizard so yeah, yeah. and if, even if it didn't resist the blast burn like it's bulky enough to tank one yeah just fine. exactly and then, yeah know, and that resistance in as well i don't even know if he gets a blast burn if you're running rock throw carbon you're right um, <laughs> yeah um so you and butters were getting pretty hype during the naic stream over maybe a possible return of trevenant like do you still feel that way that that could make a comeback or yeah like like, "Eh, maybe not i personally well in this current meta i don't think so um I don't remember. I don't remember what was actually said between me and okay. Butters, but I think maybe he said it was going to be good, and I said it wasn't. That's usually the the, the way our combos <laughs> go. Right? You, you yeah. both, I think, from memory, you both seemed fairly me, yeah. like, on the same page. It's possible. It, it is possible. Um, I oh, I think I remember the specific matchup where some guy ran made it really far in the losers bracket with a Trevenant on the team. Um, I yeah. forgot this guy's name, but he had like a Wigglytuff, a Trevenant, like some really odd stuff, Ooh, like wow. a big raw too. Yeah. Um, and I think if I'm not mistaken, I think the trainer lost to Enhoff in that loser's okay. bracket um, because this Trevenant just like had nowhere to go. But also on top of that, like Doombug had Trevenant and it was funny. I was actually scrimming with him a little t- ahead of time and he, he didn't have Trevenant at the time. But he told me like at the end, like before the me, he's like, hey, I ended up landing on this team. And I saw the Trevenant. I was like, that's just bench pressure, right? He's like, no, it's actually really good in a lot of matchups still. I was like, all yeah. right, good luck. And he brought Trevenant <laughs> on stream when he was at NSC, and it, it, he unfortunately couldn't win um, with it. And he told me after the event, he was like, yeah, I think it's time to retire Trevenant. <laughs> I mean, he already qualified Worlds, has a travel package, so he just wanted to get some reps in. And, I mean, it's a good thing he figured it out at NSC rather than at Worlds. Um yeah, a lot of teams are weak to Trevenant, but it's just I think it's still like very hard to use mm. um in this current meta because just that C bomb it's 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 a C bomb nerf. Technically the move got better, it's more energy efficient, but it's just <laughs> you need the you need the lower energy move for the Yeah, because a lot of its play came from being able to bait with the C bomb mm-hmm. and then follow it up with the KO Shadow Ball. Yeah, exactly. It's kinda like Nidal Queen, uh Poison Fang and uh Walrein Ice School Speed. Yeah. Like, yes, they got they made both moves do more damage, but the old variants a year ago were still way better, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, with Sh- like, I am getting the sense that everyone's very uh, acutely aware of Zard now. So, mm-hmm. uh, how do you think the meta might adjust to be able to handle that with Carbink not being a possibility? What else yeah. would people bring to counter the Charizard? Yeah, that's a great question. I think 
Honestly, I think there might be a little bit more uptick in Lantern. Um, it's still not the easiest thing to use because uh, Lantern, like there's just there's Swamper just still very prevalent, still very strong. Mm-hmm. And now some people are even running Quagsire, right? Which is not helping Lantern either. But the problem is if you just have, like I think the problem is if you just have Lantern, it still could be kind of tough. I, I Like this is, this is when I w- really saw how strong Charizard was because I think I remember seeing Human Catcher Bug run Shadow Charizard in, uh, I think Liverpool's regional he won with it against a team with a Lantern and a Glare and Stumpfist, and he still was able to beat him, right? Right. Um, so it's just like, depending on your placement, I think like even knowing how strong Charizard is, I think it just might just end up being a bunch more Charizard in the meta rather than Noctowl <laughs> or Altaria for the flyer. Um, I do think that there might be a slight uptick in Glare and Stumpfist because of the Charizard, yeah. because of how dominant it was in NAIC. And people saw, like, literally, like, people just didn't, like, House Art, unfortunately, just didn't have a single answer for it, right? Yeah. Um, he just could not win in neutral shields up situations uh, with it, yeah. against it. Um, I think Glare and Stumpfist might have a little uptick. I mean, it's not as good as it used to be, but it's, it's still good, right? It's still a really good Pokemon. Yeah, um, sure. I think the other, maybe. I don't know. I, me personally, I think there might be a few more Bastion users yeah. than before. I think the problem is most people that qualify for world championships did not qualify with a Bastion. So it's like very far outside their comfort zone. And even as a Bastion user, like it is not the easiest thing to position at times. But I think the biggest factor beyond just increased Glare and Stumpfist usage and maybe Bastion is probably some neutral picks like Lickitung and Umbreon, like some really bulky sure. things. Yeah. yeah, just so you have a little more play. I think that was the biggest issue with how Stark's team... I think he, he did have the Lickitung, but that's about it. He had a Frostlass, a Swamper, a Metacham. Like, they're just all too frail um, to hang in neutral matchups. But Lickitung, Umbreon, they can do okay. They could tank the Blast Burn okay. Maybe even Dugon, right? Dugon uh, on the more bulkier end yeah. can do some yeah. damage. I think that's where Wadash really excelled is that he had a Dugon and an Umbreon. So mm-hmm. he had a little bit more neutral play into the Charizard on Rise to Occasion side, who he only had just, he really only just had Lickitung as the bulky neutral counter because he had a Registeel, but it's just, that's just such a bad matchup if it your is. shields are up, right? Yeah. Uh, and especially if the Zard has like an energy lead. Like, mm-hmm. I, I remember speedy talking about it on your podcast which we will plug later <laughs> but um yeah uh, speedy mentioned that uh uh the whole thing about well yeah you might go down a shield against the registeel but now you've got like seven more wing attacks <laughs> you're yeah. up to two blast burns now and like uh you know what what's going to stand up to the blast burn in the back yeah exactly i mean and you can swap out to clear debuffs if you need to and like you win cp against like almost everything so yeah, it's yeah. just yeah, it's it's super like when I was watching that, not even just the grand finals, but even like how Stark in the top three in NAC, I was just like, dude, this Charger looks so good. It would it didn't even have the top twelve. It wasn't even top twelve in usage, but it seemed like every top tier trainer that made it far in the bracket, probably like more than half of them it seemed like had a Shadow yeah. Charizard. Um let me reset one more thing. So uh there there is some commentary. Mm-hmm. Won't point some fingers, but uh, there is there are people around that just talk about Bastiodon being such a low skill Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, Caleb is is very well known for being a what, what would you call it like a Bastiodon defender, Bastiodon apologist. Um, uh, we, <laughs> I we, don't we apologize that, for anything for Bastiodon. Don't apologize for anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, so to, can you tell us about where the skill comes in in using a Bastiodon? 
Yeah, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, I mentioned like Bastion. I first used it for Sylphurina for Kingdom Cup back in like April of 2019. Yeah. And back then, like, especially in Sylph, it was all show six. So like people that use Bastion were still very crafty with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I used it for my regionals too, but that was before Melmetal had superpower. And it was before Pro Pass was released. So Bastion actually beat Melmetal back then, which was kind of wild. That's um, crazy. They could just yeah. throw Rockside and Thunderbolt, right? And you had super effective flamethrower. Yeah. Um, but you know you'd have to maneuver around the meta chain and all that stuff and the whisk cash back then. Um, I really started. I started my first ever Bastion team for GBL. I ran a Bastion with a Shadow Bonnet and a Meganium in the pack, and I would just safe swap my Shadow Bonnet. And if they don't shield the move, then I just shield and Shadow Claw down. And it's kind of like the Charizard thing. You just come out with so much energy that you get a shield back no matter what comes in next. Yeah. Um. But it usually was like to draw their Altaria or Skarmory, and they would have to spend a shield only to get farmed down from Bastion later, right? And I just set up my Meganium to sweep uh, two to one shield advantage there um, with a bunch of energy load on Bastion. So I think like uh, w- when I started playing that, that's when I like really started to grow to enjoy how to play it. Essentially, I yeah. use it as like additional shield or just a way to soak up damage or win a lot of neutral mm-hmm. matchups. Um, of course, uh, there were a lot of team formats that came out um, over the years, and a lot of it was like draft style, like Go Teema from Go Stadium was draft style. So uh, you had to, everyone on your team couldn't have the same Pokemon. And so no one wanted Bastion on my team. So I just always picked Bastion. I was like, ah, I'll be the one that used Bastion. Right? Everyone needs to steal tanks. So I was like, I'll be the Bastion guy. And even in, in team formats, it was really nice because it was draft format on the opposing team. So you don't face a Registeel every time, right? You don't face Glitter and Stumpfist. So my Bastion actually had a lot of play in neutral matchups. But yeah. um, so I've always utilized it in very like skill-oriented, especially show six formats. Um, I do understand the hatred people grew for it. It's <laughs> And I, I really, <laughs> I credit slash blame Wallower for this. He was the one that came up with the Bastion, Deoxys Defense, Shadow Victory Bell team. I think it was Deoxys Defense. Uh-huh. I can't remember. I think it was Shadow Victory Bell in the lead, I think. Um, I can't remember the or- orientation of it, but and then some people ran Bastion with double race relief too. Um, I think I understand where people come from there, and they say like it's a very low skill Pokemon. I think it could be very low skill when you use it like that. <laughs> I think it could be a much higher skill Pokemon if you utilize it with more charge room pressure and show six formats. In fact, mm-hmm. and this might be a hot take that a lot of people disagree with listening to it. Uh, in my opinion, it's actually if you decide to use it in a higher skill format or like a show six format or charge move energy formats, like charge room pressure format, um, I actually think it's one of the highest skill Pokemon because you have to position it so well and read your opponents really well in a lot of situations to make it work. Whereas like if you like, that's why Registeel is so common because it's so strong as a safe swap, right? And Medicham is so strong in safe swap and there's so few things that counter it. So yes, like you, you know, you throw more charge moves and you have to know your counts and stuff, but you're able to usually claw your way out of a bad situation just because of how good and flexible the Pokemon is. But because Bastion is so inflexible, you have to be <laughs> even better to find a way to utilize it, right? And I will say like, I mean, I'm not, I'm saying how graded and stuff, but like it is hard to use in show six. And even when I competed in San Diego and Fresno with Bastion, I didn't use it a ton, right? A lot of it was bench pressure and part of, part of my team composition, but I did get a few wins here or there with it. And um, 
you know, depending on the meta, it, it's better in some ways than not. So that's my hot take is yeah. it's one of the highest skill ceiling Pokemon, <laughs> but it could also be very low skill ceiling if you just run <laughs> straight faster pressure. So I, I agree yeah, with both sides. In some that's ways. right. This is a safe space. We, we don't <laughs> um, I will say also, um, you've mentioned on your podcast, uh, Rob Drogo, who is Battler from Perth, Australia, uh, who... One no, he came second this season uh, in the in the Perth Regional Championship. Yes, I faced him twice during that tournament. Uh, the first one was you know during the during the day, and then the second time was in the losers final. Uh, I did manage to beat him the first time, but that second time it came down to battle five, and he he played the Vastudon beautifully because he uh, he basically got I brought one counter to the Bastiodon into the battle. It was uh, my Shadow Swampert. Um, he managed to chip the Swampert to a low enough HP that the Bastiodon could come in and finish it off, and then all I had in the back was Shadow or Bomber Snow, and it's like, well, game over. Uh, yeah. So yeah. it was like playing with that... Um, play, playing with alignment is kind of the, the easiest way to, to summarize it. Like... Mm-hmm. He managed to play it in a way that the Bastiodon didn't come out until it was bloody well ready <laughs> to do yeah. so. Yeah, I think that that's the toughest part against when you play against a Bastion user as well is like, yeah, you have things that beat it, but there's a lot of times where like Bastion beats like three or four of your team, right? And yeah. so yeah. so in neutral matchups or just positive matchup for the Bastion, so you have to like always like it always had to be on the back of your mind right you always have to watch out for it Otherwise, especially like you have to be very careful about running like aba teams weak to bastion like yep. i was i was scrimming scrimming with one of my patrons the other day and uh, it was for actually this upcoming self continentals which bastion is actually ranked number one <laughs> and and <laughs> he ran a, a lone nine tails lead with the altari in the back into my bastion and he didn't swap out it was powder snow too i mean it didn't even matter powder snow charm and i was like i was like oh i was like you so you have a you have Altari in the back, right? He's like, yeah, probably. He's like, I didn't think you were gonna do it, but like, what can you do, right? You can't say swap to your only counter at that point. Um, so I think that is definitely a scary part to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Rob Joko is. Uh, I think he's the only other person that's qualified for World Championships with a Bastion. So, I think so. Yeah. 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 And um, he used it. I remember he used it last season as well. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like always been a big fan. It's. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, like you say, if it um, if you know how to use it, it can be really good. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think. Uh, yeah. It's. I. I remember seeing him bring at OCIC too. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think if I'm not mistaken, last year whatever regional he won with it or got second place with it to qualify worlds uh it wasn't streamed but i think he specifically dm'd me and said hey like like just want to let you know like i should qualify world championships with a bastion i was like wait what i was like this is the first time i heard anyone do this that's impressive right um i think if i'm not mistaken he was sick last year or something so you're going to make it to london um oh right yeah i actually didn't know that yeah yeah i remember i was looking for that bastion but (laughs) i think he uh i don't think he had a chance to compete but uh, looking forward to it this time around, though. Yeah. All right, so that was our play Pokemon section, and that means we're up to our shameless plugs. Um, I'll just quickly do my plug before we get into the the real stuff, which is Caleb's where to find Caleb. So <laughs> I was interviewed by Australian 
content creators PvP Steve and Debbie Pebble for a podcast series called G'day Battlers, where they talk through uh, basically all the Australian regional championships leading up to Worlds, and they get, you know, war stories from all the players that qualified through those regionals. So I was on with Jakobovic, who was the winner of the OCIC tournament. Uh, we were, yeah, just, you know, talking about our experiences uh, throughout that uh, series. He was making fun of me for, you know, beating me so soundly in the grand final. <laughs> uh, you can find that on, in most places where podcasts, good podcasts can be found. Unfortunately, it's not up on Google Podcasts yet, which I know because I am a Google Podcast user and I am <laughs> trying to wait patiently for that. But my episode is out now, so if you look for that, you know, yeah, um, Spotify, YouTube, Apple, all those places, that's a really cool series. Caleb, where can people find you? Yeah, luckily I have Caleb Peng, uh claimed on most socials. So nice. if you want to find me on YouTube, you can find it uh, at Caleb Peng, P-E-N-G, Peng like a penguin, or like Twitter, <laughs> Twitch. Um, TikTok's the only one I don't have, but I'm terrible at TikTok, so don't even worry about that. But it's Caleb Peng one if you want to find me there. Um, if you like cats, you can find my Instagram with the same handle and <laughs> threads now too, apparently. Um, and if you want any coaching or anything like that, I do have a Patreon, same thing, uh, at Caleb Peng. And uh, I do have, uh, I do host a podcast with Speediest Chief. Ooh, we've had DeFi actually on, but we haven't had Fish on, but maybe down the road. Uh, maybe, we should have yeah. him on as a guest. But um, yeah, definitely check out the Battle Cats podcast, Cats with a Z, uh, paying homage to our original host, Zionic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and if I'm host, if I'm commentating any tournaments, you can find me on the official Pokemon Go streams. And uh, yeah. hopefully I do a good job of entertaining you all. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it is is one of my favorite podcasts. I highly recommend the podcast. So it is a lot more centered around like the play Pokemon circuit. They don't do as much grassroots or uh, even not a lot of GBL uh, content either. So if you're into the play Pokemon circuit, um, then and like that community around that, it is really really good. But also like just great banter between two mates. Um, yeah, it's not very structured there. It's <laughs> the best way to phrase it. Um, yeah, I, I think you and DeFi have a really solid structure podcast, and we just kind of, we just kind of go around with our tangents and stuff. But um, but yeah, if you like tangents, it's and we te- we typically we typically talk for way too long too. We have some long episodes. <laughs> um, as you can tell, I'm probably long winded this one too. So no surprise there. But um, but yeah, feel free to check us out sometime. I know or my co-host Speech Chief is supposed to eat. Uh, a hot chip from that one chip challenge sometime down the road because uh, he lost a bet against yes. me. So when that yeah, happens, that. TBD. Yeah, I, I, you probably weren't listening back then to to this podcast where I lost a bet to DeFi. Did you ever hear that one play out? Um, wait, what did he have to do with the? So the bet was that I like we, we were both saying that the other person would finish higher on the solo silk leaderboards so I was saying DeFi would finish higher DeFi was saying I'd finish higher and so we, we turned that into a bet I did end up finishing slightly higher but by just like a few spots so I had to sing a jingle for this podcast <laughs> a, a PvP corner jingle 
Um, and it is it is out there. I forget which episode it is. Of, um, oh, I wish I could find it. Uh, someone someone in the GoCast server could probably remind me. But <laughs> if I find that, then I'll like make sure to include the link to that episode in the show notes or something. Because oh yeah, I definitely gotta check that out. I, yeah, yeah, I don't think I heard that one, but that's uh that's pretty that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, ideas for Speedy. You guys are always trying to like brainstorm <laughs> ideas for your next bet. Yeah, to sing a jingle. I like I like the sound there actually. Yeah, that might be good. Yeah, because it's like not too like punishing, but it's also like pretty embarrassing. Yeah, I think you're probably better at fulfilling the punishment than he <laughs> is. He usually has like um like a like a thirty business day like delay. So yeah. <laughs> All right, so to close out, we love hearing from you. If you have any questions or suggestions for myself or DeFi, you can direct that to pvpcorner at gocastpodcast.com. You can also send us voicemail or physical mail to the GoCast PO box. Take a look at the show description for the phone number and the PO box address. In the show description, you can click on more fish or more DeFi to take you to other projects and ways to contact us. And we will also have Caleb's links there so you can follow him. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on, Fish. I mean, this was a fun time uh, chatting and just yeah, being a part of the podcast. I, I, it's definitely part of my weekly rotation as well. So it's, uh, I don't know if I need to hear my own voice any more than <laughs> usual, but this will, this will probably be the week. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening and may the leads ever be in your favor. Yeah.